welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are looking at the Thunder Rumor Mill yet again. I've done this a couple times on the pod. We went through the top three prospects over the course of the week, but we are back because the Thunder have just continued to be kind of on rumor watch. With picks 2, 12, and 34, you can kind of see why they have basically the most control in this draft, especially if they would have held on to pick number 30. But there have been multiple names linked up. Lou Dort has been tossed around the mill. Draft prospects have had their takes on Oklahoma City. And we've also just heard trade-up talks in general. So we're going to talk about all that in today's pod. And we're going to wrap it up with a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. Inside a week from the NBA draft. That only means we're going to continue to see more and more trade rumors come up. And it's very hard to differentiate between report and rumor. Most of the stuff is just rumors. But when you have people saying, you know, this is what I've heard from so-and-so executive, but there's no names, it's just per sources, it does become a pretty hard task to sift through all of that. So I'm going to be going through some of the reports that we have heard from the week, kind of my take on it, and if OKC should be engaging in some of these trade packages. We're going to start out here with Lou Dort, though, and he's been a name that has been tossed around the rumor mill for over a week, I would say, but it hasn't hit the mainstream until really this week. And I've seen... Other reporters in the Thunder media discuss that they've heard, you know, chatter of Dort being a trade asset in the past, but now it's not something that, um, you know, like at the time, people who knew or heard anything about it weren't publicizing it. Now, we had some some publication here in Bleacher Report talking about Lou and how he uh, has actually garnered interest from the Portland Trailblazers, and this comes from Bleacher Report writer Jake Fisher. He notably had the SGA rumors last draft cycle, and everyone kind of shot that down. Obviously, it didn't happen, but he has a lot of connections throughout the league, so it is worth talking about. Good to kind of discuss where he's heard certain things in the past, though. But anyways, he had an article on Thursday discussing the NBA intel that he has heard one week out from the draft, and among that collection of chatter... Lou Dort's name was on the list as a potential trade target for the Portland Trailblazers. And here's the full quote. He said, Portland does not appear to be a legitimate landing spot for restricted free agent DeAndre Ayton. Sources said, the Trailblazers are expected to retain starting center Yusuf Nurkic, and they are prioritizing Toronto Raptors swingman OG Anobi in any return for the number seven pick in this week's draft, sources said. But there has been increasing talk about Portland potentially targeting the 7th selection to Oklahoma City for number 12 in a package that could include Lou Dort. And later in the day, he hopped on a podcast and he also talked about this um, mention a little bit more in detail. And here is the other direct quote from that. He said, when I called someone from OKC this morning... They were keen on suggesting that if I decided to write about that trade discussion rumor, that I should be keen on saying that Portland is potentially the one who is driving that discussion more so than Oklahoma City. After that, too, kind of went more in detail saying that 
the deal could happen still if Portland was the one who initiated it, but you need to look at the other side of the coin with Oklahoma City and that Portland wasn't just interested in Lou Dort. There's other players that they have shown interest in on these outgoing calls. So here is that blurb as well. He said, that's not to say a deal can't happen, but I also think generally Portland, they're just trying to make calls right now. Portland's been linked to Jeremy Grant, John Collins, OG. There's a lot of outgoing calls from Portland to my understanding. So it's not just Lou Dort that's been discussed. And on these deals, if OKC's rep, you know, is is correct on that shot there, it sounds like Portland is the one engaging. So that makes, you know, OKC the one who kind of has a leverage. And it's not like they, you know, were just prying at getting higher up with, you know, something to combine with pick number two. He also said, though, that if it's going to take Lou Dort, I don't know if that deal is going to get done. It'll be curious to see if that's something the Thunder are willing to do. So, basically, he's saying that with his knowledge, Portland was the initiator on these deals, and OKC kind of has the ball in their court if any deal is still, you know, being discussed. And that is interesting. I think a lot of people just ran with the first blurb of... The Trailblazers are interested in a discussion, not really mentioning Fisher's later statements on that OKC might not be interested in all this, all that. You know, it, it kind of just sounds like Fisher um, was saying that there was maybe mutual interest on the deal, but it's really not the case. He just said that um, he has heard a potential rumor between Dort and the Blazers having some interest in some sort of trade-up deal. You got to evaluate the Thunder and where they are. Already mentioned the pick situation, picks 2, 12, and 34. And they just continue to be in these types of rumors. In particular, for guards and Jaden Ivey and Jaden Sharp, who are both going to be discussed later down the road in today's pod. But that's kind of the breakdown of it. You're not going to find Jaden Ivey at pick 7. Like, obviously, there's a chance in, in a draft, but... Jaden Ivey is a top four player in this draft class. If he's not four on a board, I don't know what you're doing because he has proven to be an insane athlete. He's shown so much potential in terms of his three-level scoring. That's a player that you want to have going into next season if you're able to. So I think he's a top five pick locked here. I don't think he's in range for Portland. But someone like Shaden Sharp could slide, went from being the number five guy to apparently not doing so well in some pre-draft workouts and maybe being a guy that goes late lottery. And the floor seemingly has been the Thunder at 12. I don't think he's going to fall to 12. I think that if the Thunder want him, they need to trade up. And one of the partners would most definitely be the Portland Trailblazers here at 7. When you look at uh, 4 through 6, you have Sacramento, Detroit, and Indiana. I don't know if Either of those three teams would swing on Shaden. It makes sense based on potential, but if they're going for positional needs, I don't know if Sharp is there. And also, maybe a team like Detroit would like the high upside. Ivy is clearly the better suitor next to Cade Cunningham, though. So you have to jump through a lot of hoops, but for him to go to seven would not be crazy. And that's kind of why that trade-up would happen if Sharp was the guy or if anyone in this 6 through 12 range they were really honed in on Portland might be the best 
potential team to talk with because they still have Yusuf Nurkic and Damian Lillard. Anthony Simons has kind of been on the up and up over the last couple seasons. So they might want that push again. And Dort has shown that he can rise up in playoff contention. And that is going to be very valuable, not just for this season, but long term because he's only 23 years old. Anyways, though, he's a high level asset. And that's why he would be tossed into trade discussions such as this. The Thunder have so many draft picks. It's kind of hard to keep tabs on all of them. And they had a, they traded two away in the deal last week. And it obvi- it honestly could have been like three days ago. That is how slow motion everything has been. But when they got Jermichael Green and they got the 2027 first, they had to send out two second round picks along with pick 30 to get that deal going. So they have so much right now on their plate in terms of draft equity, but in terms of on-court talent, a lot of it is just young players, and you wouldn't trade someone like SGA or Josh Giddy. Lou Dort has virtually been off limits, it seemed like, until you start seeing rumors such as this, and I think that is about it. You you still have guys like Trey Mann, obviously, but there's a drop-off in terms of players that could be filling roles on any given team right now. Even guys like Kenrich Williams, I don't think give you the value you would want to offload him. So Dort is the best asset that isn't deemed untouchable because I think SGA and Josh Giddy are in that caliber at least right now. And that's kind of how you get to point A to point B. You don't, I don't think, negotiate a deal with the Blazers based on future assets like 12 34 in a future first round pick because they're not necessarily looking that way if Damian Lillard is committed they're gonna want to get a big chip right now and that's exactly why Fisher didn't just talk about Lou Dort he discussed guys such as Jeremy Grant OG Ananobi John Collins just someone that you can pair up with Damian Lillard and do it you know a pretty good pretty good cost there I think Christian Wood that deal to Dallas was very good value for them Wood's an expiring contract but he can go for double doubles pair him up with Luka Doncic and Brunson if they're able to retain him you just want to find a a potential co-star or someone you could fill with Lillard and Nurkic Dort can do that and he can be kind of your low maintenance guy who can play on both ends of the basketball I think we all know that but that is just kind of the idea stemming from this sort of trade package average 17.2 points 4.2 boards and 1.7 assists last year as we know one of their better catch and shoot pieces he was up and down a lot this season but if he's on he's most definitely on was I'd say the second best player in their playoff series in the bubble one three ball away from going into the second round had Lillard not got a fingertip on that ball I think it probably would have went in just knowing how his night was he was on fire anyways though that is the primary rumor I think once you go past that surface level and you start tapping into if this works for the Thunder um, there's no clear-cut answer because obviously we don't know what Presti and everybody is thinking But it's not just as simple as just trading him now because contractually, there are some question marks that will need to be figured out by the end of this month. And you also need to kind of just figure out how you want to structure the franchise moving forward because you have a loaded backcourt right now. 
And if you really want to start moving pieces or, you, or you're not fond of how this future backcourt looks like, let's say with SGA and Giddy being your two guys set in stone, that's when this deal might come into the picture. And I'm going to go into how that could come into the picture in one second here. But first, I'll let you all know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With a DraftKings same game parlay, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets and boom you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes. For details, already have the champs crowned with Golden State. What a series. Steph Curry just solidifying his greatness. The dynasty, I think everyone, I know it's it's hard to say dynasty. Like, you don't throw it around lightly, obviously. But even in, if they didn't win the finals, I think you still can rule that as one. I think everyone was kind of just... Um, you know, waiting to use the buzzword a little bit until they got the crown, but they've been amazing and they still have some gas left in the tank, even with gas prices being as expensive as they are right now. It's corny. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, it'll be cool to see them next year. Same goes with everybody. Healthy Clippers squad will be very fun out West and it's going to be fun for the Thunder in terms of development and summer league basketball is going to be just absolutely great for them. So tune into that. Anyways, though, I want to get back on track with Lou Dort and how this rumor would shape out. I want to look at the contract for him, though, because he went from being the undrafted guy to a two-way signee, absolutely crushed it on that deal, and then he got his contract going into the NBA bubble. He has a team option going into next season, so if it gets declined, he can hit free agency in like two weeks. And if not, he would be picked up for a $1.9 million contract this upcoming season. That's very cheap for a player of his caliber. But then he turns into an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. So it does give some leverage to Dort and his camp if they're trying to squeeze out some money. If he's unrestricted, he can just walk to get a bigger paycheck if he would like. However, like I said, if they do not pick this up, if they decline the team option... He hits free agency now, but he's a restricted free agent, so they can retain him for longer than one year. Obviously, the the downside financially would be you start his free agent type contract one year sooner than you probably would like to. You can end up cutting probably 12, 13, 14 million dollars this season if they decide to just continue on this contract one more year. Does take a little bit away from that security blanket though. I think in terms of market value, 12 to 15 million is where that gauge would be at. 
four years, $60 million. I think that's the happy medium for everybody. Originally, I thought he was about 16 to 18, but everyone that I've talked to doesn't think that he's going to be getting a contract that high, at least right now. And a deal that's 10 to $12 million, that's kind of a low ball from you know what he's displayed on the floor, just based on how he was able to influence the team, not just in the now, but in his rookie campaign, he was amazing in the bubble. That does hold some value, especially when teams are looking to have versatile defenders such as Lou. Could be a budget option if he does hit restricted free agency. Anyways, the salary has 54.4 mil booked for the 2023-24 season. And there's going to be many different players that will need to be decided on. The big one is Lou. Darius Baisley is another. He's on his final season um, on his rookie scale contract. And then he would hit restrictive free agency. So he could be bound to make big money in 2023-24. to 24. And then there's multiple others in the years following that they will have to make some rulings on. So it does, you know, bear some some questions for the Thunder because they're not just living off of rookie scale contracts anymore. And if they want to make a splash in free agency, they're going to be a little bit more limited. They don't just have $31 million lying around. And they're not even going to have 31 mil to play with after this month, actually, because SGA is going to be on his max contract deal now. And all that money is wiped. They're actually going to be playing a little bit over the salary cap next season. So that's why having vets such as Derek Favors and Jermichael Green actually bear value because you can make transactions. If they didn't have Green or they didn't have Favors, they don't really have any instruments that could be used as trade pieces anymore on the current roster because everyone would just be making too little money or they'd be too valuable to give up in some of these types of trades. So that's something... That obviously you need to look at. For Dort's situation in particular, I don't think you look at it that way. But you still need to look at the salary and kind of view, is this someone that we really want to keep long term? Because if not, I guess that is why you would float him around in trades. Personally, I think Dort has given the Thunder what they've wanted for years. Like This was the ideal guy you wanted playing with Russ and Paul George in some stints because they just continue to filter in defensive twos that could not shoot the basketball at a high level. Andre Robertson, Andre, um, I almost said Andre Robertson again, Josh Hustis, just to name two of them, where they used first-round picks in back-to-back seasons, basically of the same archetype, hoping one could develop a three-ball. Neither of them did, and it created issues in particular in the 2017 first round series against the Rockets, they just abused Andre Roberson. And even though he turned it around, he turned into a decent three-point shooter by the end of the series, he wasn't effective enough at the free throw line to make him valuable on the court. And with James Harden just getting fouls any day of the week, they were able to get that series out in five games. But you need to have those types of you know shooters competent off-ball catch-and-shoot guys that can play around your stars. Dort has shown the ability to do that, and that makes him valuable for the Thunder long-term, but it also makes him valuable for basically every team. He's a glue guy, and that is why opposing GMs would 
probably like to at least engage on trade offers. If I'm Sam Presti, I probably wouldn't deal him unless I'm blown away. Dort is a very valuable trade chip. But if there's a prospect they love, let's say it is Shaden Sharp at 7, and they don't think he could be there at 12, this is a deal that I guess would be in consideration. It's a very high-risk play because Lou Dort is better than a lot of people you'll find at number seven, as crazy as it is, you're you're going to find lottery busts in a lot of draft classes. I think it's a bit different because situation matters. And if you are a lottery team that in all reality is a playoff team, like you're not going to get ample reps. James Booknight is a good example last year where, you know, he was basically a G League player despite being a lottery selection. Whoever OKC picks at two is going to play a lot. Whoever they pick at 12 is going to play a lot. Same goes for seven. And if Sharp is the pick off a trade-up, including Dorton 12, you can be certain that Shaden Sharp would be playing a ton of minutes and he'd have the reps. It's a very good environment to play in in Oklahoma City right now. And players have liked that. I also think that, um, you know, that's just alluring in terms of player development type stuff. So the one bright side is if the Thunder trade Dort and if they trade 12 together to move up anywhere... You know that they are 100% sold on what this prospect would be. Regardless if it's Sharp, Sohan, you name it, they like him a lot because that is a big, big asset to be trading away. And for the Thunder, it's probably their third most valuable asset if you're not including picks right now. In terms of on-roster players, Ludort is their third best player that they have on the team. If you're looking at the projected deals... Packages are basically the Portland Trailblazers at 7 or the Kings at 4. I don't think Dort and 12 get you to 4. If I was Sam Presti, though, I think that you just can't deny the talent that would be there at 4 because this is a 4-player draft. It's not a 3-player draft. It's you have, and this is no set order, but you got Jabari, Chet, Paolo, and Jaden Ivey. You can order those one through four any way you want on your big board, and I really don't care that much. Uh, right now, I got Paolo and Ivy as my one and two, and that's because I think they have so much scoring upside. If you put Ivy next to a player such as SGA, I think that makes her backcourt insanely well, but you also have another playmaker in Josh Giddy. SGA, Ivy, and Giddy, that's a very good trifecta you could have there. And currently, I think even if you say SGA, Sharp, and Giddy, it's a hard crunch because you still have Trey Mann on the roster. That kind of gets you to that number four. But if Lou Dort is still hanging around, the minutes just can't be moved around properly to give that new guard prospect reasonably uh, a reasonable amount of minutes. I guess that's what I should say there. So... You need to factor it in. I just don't think that four would be a feasible trade-up because of the Kings and, you know, the moves they've made. Like, if they're trading for Sabonis, they have Fox, they have Davion Mitchell, I believe they probably would want to trade for on-court talent. And Dort is most definitely that. But it'd have to be Dort 12 and probably future picks as well. Whereas a team like the Pistons, you know, they have Jeremy Grant laying around and other franchises too. They could rock the the landscape up with trading. OG Ananobi is being, you know, harped up as this trade pick, uh, this trade asset. Maybe they could make some stunning move to jump up to number four with OG Ananobi as that guy. Because Ananobi, as we all know, 
controls a lot of value on the market right now, and he's playing a position that the Kings need at that three spot. I think that Ivy would justify this sort of trade. I don't know about Sharp right now. I'm going to be on the fence because I think that Ivy has proven in a lot of areas that he's going to translate to the next level. Explosive athlete, very good on-ball skills, can create his own shot at all three levels. With Sharp, he's a very explosive athlete that's going to carry over. But he's so reliant on step-backs and his dribbling is not on par with other creators from past classes like Jaden Hardy, Jaden Ivey, and Jalen Green from last year. So that is something that needs to be noted, and he's a very inconsistent shooter. So it's a lot of just potential right now with a very high ceiling, whereas I think Ivey, even at his floor, is going to be a very productive player for you, and he'd be amazing playing next to Trey Mann as well in any sort of offense. I think Presti ultimately knows what he's doing, though. As I'm going back to it, like, if they're making that trade, they know set in stone someone in the mid-lottery has a very good chance of developing with this Thunder team, and they want to have them for the next five, six-plus years. And they're going to have four guaranteed, obviously, because of that rookie-scale contract. Anyways, though, I want to move over to just the draft prospects in general. I know we're kind of centralizing on Dort and what a trade-up would be, which... Just based on rumors is shade and sharp. It could be anybody. But um, I just want to break down the two days of media calls that we have heard. And these tidbits come from other members of the Thunder Media. Uh, guys like Rylan Siles, Clemente Almanza. So thank you for writing some of these down so we can talk about them. I just want to go through days one and two though. And some of the prospects that not uh, just only worked out for the Thunder. But some of the other news that they talked about in terms of their time uh, with the Thunder and beyond. So we're starting out with Jabari Smith, main dude on day one of media day, consensus number one pick, didn't want to go to Houston for workouts. I think it's just an agency play to keep that draft stock high. But he only worked out for Orlando and OKC because he feels confident he'd be a top two pick. Mentioned that he did work out from June 12th to June 14th, so basically had an immediate turnaround from OKC into this media day stuff and should be smooth sailing. I would imagine going into draft night for him said he had a talk with Presty called him a great guy and um, had a, a good time on his visit met some of the staff met some of the coaches and just had some conversations discussed his vision that Presty had with Katie and Russell Westbrook believes they're still going in the right direction and that it's promising for him. And he's just high on the future outlook for that team. Said he did some shooting and conditioning drills with the team, defensive, basically everything. I mean, you're looking at the full range. like The full list is conditioning, shooting, defense, and playing off the ball. That's a lot of work that the Thunder wants to emphasize. And I'm assuming the Magic did the same thing. Every area of the game you want to evaluate if you're looking at a top one or two prospect in the draft class. Like the fit with SGA, Josh Giddy, And that's obviously a big plus because if you're bringing him on, he'd likely be that off-ball piece that you would manage alongside SGA and Josh Giddy. He said he really wanted to be a number one overall pick. Talked about his time with the Orlando Magic. So 
we'll see where he falls. I don't think that he's the set in stone number one pick, as every mock draft would say. Just because there's so many high ceiling players in this draft class, Smith has a high floor, but you you have many guys you can justify for that number one spot. And another one would be guys like Chet, Paolo, I don't know about Jaden Ivey for the Magic situation, but he definitely has top-tier talent in this draft class. Keegan Murray also said he visited with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he mentioned a couple guys in terms of who he would enjoy working out with said that um, he would enjoy you know working with Isaiah Roby as one of the players which would be surprising because he's not the like top guy obviously at the four or five spot Clemente did some investigative work so props to him but he Twitter DM'd Roby and I guess they played a few times over the summer called him a great kid so that's probably where that connection lines up because they have talked uh, and met a few times, you know, being the um, former Big Ten players with Iowa in Nebraska. I guess there's a little bit of lineage you could uh, take from that. Anyways, though, I don't think Murray would be in the cards for number two in a trade-up, maybe. I don't think he's the guy for the Thunder, to be honest with you, but it's always worth it to look at those top prospects and kind of deduce if you want to pursue them in later times and for these prospects, they're not going to be talking to the other 29 teams until it's free agency time. So it's valuable to get those minutes in and, and talk with as many people as you probably can. And with agencies, I think not so much at the top of the board, but at the bottom of the board, you do have a lot of value talking with a lot of teams just based on potential opportunities in a G League system or two-way contract that could get you that in to the NBA level. One player that has been mocked to OKC all the time, if it's not Chet Holmgren, it's going to be Usman Jang at pick number 12. Out of the New Zealand Breakers, NBL rising star, does he know Josh Giddy? Apparently not. That's, um, that's what he said in his interviews. Said he's talked with Teo a couple times, but he doesn't have any strong ties to the current roster, and... Didn't say any ties to teams. Decided not to talk about who he's visited with. I understand that as an agent. I think that that is a very good card to play. Now, if your list is like 10 different teams, I think at that point you would consider dropping the list there. But for someone like Uzmain, who I think his draft range is all over the place, it might actually be valuable not to talk about it because if he's not talking with top-tier teams then it makes sense to maybe not reveal this. So I'm cool with it. Obviously, overall, this is a a negative for media coverage because you want to know this stuff. It's a respectable decision from him, though. Matherin, he said he had ties with Lou Dort, and um, he grew up in Montreal. So, you know, you have that connection, obviously, with Lou, who's also a Montreal native. And he said that he's excited to play with him or play against him. And Malachi Branham also sounded excited about the OKC Thunder roster. He had a visit with them and he said that he could fit pretty well with that young core. Not a lot to pick away. I think the biggest one um, would probably be Jabari just because he's that number one guy and that he had the workouts confirmed that it was just one and two that he worked out with. 
a lot of agency plays there at the top of the board, and you really can't hate on it. I think that it's um, a respectable de- a business decision, if you will, to kind of keep some things covert and try to have you know some say in potential destination. And Chet Holmgren is one of those players where it seems like the agency could be trying to make a play. This is all just rumors, so don't take it you know for anything of value here. But the idea is that maybe some of the health records are being held off to try to sway him to a certain destination. The report is that he wants to be selected by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, So you got to evaluate that, obviously. I think he'd be cool one or two because you have Jalen Suggs, former high school teammate right there. Uh, But... You know, that connection with SGA, with Josh Giddy does make sense. And how he'd play with that team does check some boxes. The full quote from that comes from the Ryan Rasulo podcast. He said, I've been told this is where Duffy and Chet want to go. They want to go to Oklahoma City because of the opportunities. And he has way more freedom because of the roster in front of him than maybe he would in Orlando. That's a preference that I've heard. And it makes a lot of sense from a basketball standpoint of being brought along, but also getting more opportunities. Rasulo, respectful media member right there. And once again, when you're talking the agency game, going to the top destination should be pretty high up on your list because that, you know, factors into your second contract and potentially your third contract if you are continuing to play at a very high level. Orlando is interesting because... They have a good amount of bigs right now. If Isaac is returning at full swing, how does he fit back in? But you have Wendell Carter Jr., who has just been stellar um, after that trade from Chicago. And then Mo Bamba, who's restricted. I don't know if they're going to keep Mo Bamba, but that's obviously someone that needs to be looked at at least a little bit there. I think Chet is still in the conversation for number one, though. Number two with the Thunder obviously is what they need. They need that floor space in center and he's still shown some potential in basically all areas, very high ceiling prospect. And it does make sense whenever, you know, you're looking at where an agency might prefer to go. That's still a rumor though. Chet's not out there saying that's where he wants to play. Uh, That'd be very bold, but you know, we'll continue on the story whenever we get to hear from Chet later on. I believe it's on Monday that he'll be speaking with the media. Going into day two, though, heard from a couple other players. Shaden Sharp was the main one. He said he worked out for or is planning on working out with the Thunder, Magic, Pistons, Hornets, Spurs, Pacers, and Trailblazers. Those are all lottery teams. The Magic and number one probably aren't looking at Sharp. Still good to monitor him, though. The Thunder... You already know with 2-12, and 12, they could be a major player. They could be a major trade-up player as well. Pistons at 5. I think a lot of media, and this is just looking at the Pistons side. I'm not like talking with any sources or anything like that, but just Detroit Pistons media members, when they talk about their fifth pick, it's not focused a lot on Shaden Sharp. It's a lot about Keegan Murray and some of these other prospects like Jaden Ivey. I wouldn't say that Sharp is 100% out on the Pistons. I think because they bring him in on this workout and because they still could use someone to fill in with Kate Cunningham, 
does make some sense to take that home run swing. Could there be higher floor players? Yes. I think Sharp's floor is a lot lower than some of these lottery players, but if you need to find that high-level scorer and you think that he would pair well with Cade Cunningham, it's not completely out of the equation that he could be taken at pick number five. When you move on to someone like the Pacers, it's another thing of does he work with Tyrese Halliburton? Are you really bought in on the potential he may bring? Because there's star potential, obviously with Shaden, but he's very raw as a player, and there are some question marks. I think for him, those pre-draft workouts are probably more important than someone who just had a stellar season at college because there's other film that can kind of back up maybe where he lacked in some of these workouts. Moving down the board a little bit further, you get into that second batch. Trailblazers at 7. They may still like Sharp, so... I don't think any pick 4 through 12 could be ruled out for Shaden. I think 5 is really where it could start up. But 7's a definite spot. I, I didn't see the Pelicans here, which kind of interests me. I think if I was New Orleans, I would have wanted to see him just based on the fact they already have a really good foundation laid out and you could try to go after a major future player. It's kind of a luxury pick that they fell into uh, because of the Lakers just downfall out of nowhere but nothing from them. Then you go to the Hornets and the Spurs, who obviously could use some high upside. If the Hornets take Shaden Sharp, oh my goodness, it is going to be very interesting what happens, because they already took James Booknight. They basically did not play him. Sharp is a raw prospect, but it would make sense to play him. Could have said the same about Booknight. But you're basically just crunching down the roster. And if they're still looking to be a play-in team, I don't know, man. Because they still have Terry Rozier, too. We'll have to wait post-draft. But if they take another guard, damn. it um, It's going to be a very complex situation that they will have to deal with. San Antonio might be the same because they already have guards in Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell. But... They also would have to work that out. That's the take on Sharp. Obviously, there's been news droplets over and over again. Sharp has been linked to the Thunder so much this last week. And it could just be him picked at 6, 7, 8, and nothing happens with it, you know. So, we'll wait and see. One prospect that I am very interested in, not just from... A league-wide perspective, but a Thunder perspective is Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Played three seasons with them. Really good off-ball player, but he also showed the ability to play make for others, and he's actually a decent slasher as well. He's been given a mid-first-round grade. Sometimes he's been viewed in the 20s. Got a green room, green room invite in the first 20, so obviously teams think highly of him. Could he go back into the lottery? I think it is a actual possibility just based on how well he meshes with teams and how the NBA has translated. Very good shooter off the catch. Has shown the ability to create for himself and create for others when he's driving to the basket. And defensively, he's shown some versatility. Very good length for him. I think he's 6'5 with a 7'2 wingspan. So... Very, very intriguing in terms of frame. 
I wouldn't hate it if he's the 12th pick. And I know people would probably be so upset about it, but he has shown time and time again to be an off-ball threat. And that is something this team will need. Ideally, you want that on-ball creator at the two spot. But if you already have two heavy playmakers in SGA and Giddy, you need to have a glue piece. Jalen Williams can do that. Also, he can play on the ball in some stints. So it, it is really a happy marriage, I think, with him. And he worked out with them. Worked out with a ton of teams, though. Said he worked out for the Clippers, the Warriors, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Wolves, Bucks, Thunder, Spurs, and Hawks. And is scheduled to work out for the Cavs. So a lot of teams right outside the lottery are working him out. But you also have lotto teams, such as the San Antonio Spurs, wanting to take a look at him. Those are the two in-lottery teams, San Antonio and Oklahoma City, wanting to evaluate him. I think, like I said, I think it's it's in the equation for sure for him to be one of those surprises. Said it was a typical workout with OKC. Saw a couple players go in and out of the gym, but, you know, I think it was just the rudimentary one, if you will. Marjan Bochamp, another wing, not projected to go lottery. I think he's more late first round, early second he said he had a Zoom interview with the Thunder, and he's worked out with numerous other teams. Atlanta, Houston, Memphis, Chicago, Cleveland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Charlotte, Washington, and the New York Knicks. So that is a very long list for him. I think that's 10 teams on the dot. So that's one of those things, agency-wise. When you're working out with all these teams all across the board, it might be in your favor to discuss where you have landed to and some agents might not look into it as much but you know you want to try to have some sort of control and if you're keeping everything on the low you're not giving this information out could lead to some teams not looking into the consensus not looking into the situation in terms of which teams worked him out and where they were in the draft process and that could get you higher or lower kind of works both ways in that situation that's what we've heard, though. Going to hear that next batch on Monday, and then it's going to be right into the draft on Thursday night. So many rumors are going to be swirling. Just sit back and relax. Get your popcorn ready and get ready for the show. Anyways, though, I want to talk about just the trade-up process in general. Already talked about it, but still worth mentioning here. The Thunder have enough picks to toy around with in trade-up situations, but it has to be the right team. They have 19 future first-round picks, and if you're a rebuilding team, it could be worthwhile to move back in the draft and pick up some later assets. The Thunder have already started making plays on their picks, made the first draft-related trade, and moving out a pick 30 to get a 2027 first. And... I think this draft class actually has a decent amount of late first-round prospects that I personally like. I think that's every draft class. There's always like five players that are big names and they slide out of the first round. I would have liked to keep that. If I'm Presti, I would have pondered some consolidation moves. I'm sure they already discussed that. They couldn't find one, and that's why they moved back with Denver here. 
But in the process, they're just spreading the wealth out a little bit. And they're giving a little bit more protection to those roster spaces. Because if they're going to front load things, then it becomes a nightmare in terms of how are you keeping this team down to 15 players? How are you going to give everybody the right amount of minutes? And how are you going to control the G League system, which... Right now, we don't even know where the Blue are playing next year because there is something going on with the Paycom Center. They just got a new professional team in the mix. I think it's like a bull riding team. So I don't think the schedule is going to be interfering with what the Blue tip-off times were. But there were a lot of noon games. And the G League, they just don't want that. So hopefully they stick around in OKC. They've talked about getting a new facility in Bricktown for those games. Just keep it in state, man. It's going to make it so much better for their development system. And with the way this team is structured, they really need to have their G League organization nearby. You should not have them out of state when you have probably three rookies playing there in some stints. And these are standard contract rookies that we'd be talking about here. At least that was last year. And I definitely think the second round pick could be down there if they decide to pick that person up anyways though I think you need to look at that that's why they're moving back in this class but with all these different picks they're gonna need to package them at some point and that's why they're stockpiling them obviously last year Evan Mobley was the guy for the Thunder it didn't come into fruition they didn't make a trade for him but the idea was they wanted to move up to get him some teams aren't going to trade back that's just how it goes you need to find the correct teams there are a couple teams in this lottery which is a very unique situation that they are not fully rebuilding like even at the top of this board the sacramento kings are not rebuilding completely they jumped up a couple spots to get to number four and they could use nba playoff ready pieces now Dort could be that. I think if it becomes a bidding war, it has to be Dort plus future assets, not stellar player plus maybe some picks down the line. Four is insanely valuable, and it's not as simple as they're getting one or two offers on this thing. I'm sure they are getting calls by the hour on this situation, on on how they want to use that pick, and maybe if they want anyone on set teams for trade offers it's going to come down to the wire and they could very easily keep that pick that's just the one main one I want to target other situations such as Indiana being at number six they are rebuilding but they have pieces in place with guys in Tyrese Halliburton Buddy Heald Miles Turner like there is a structure there that could get them to winning some basketball games and then the New Orleans Pelicans at number eight they are not a number eight in the lottery team again you know they are on the up and up and they are still very young as a team so maybe it'd be more about getting in the now assets but they could go just about anywhere so they have a lot of these draft picks to just send in bundles it comes down to these on-court assets where they are a bit limiting in terms of big-time trade packages and normally you don't see trades in the top five if you're making a trade in the top five you need a hell of a good player I think I saw something the last time 
a top five pick was traded just straight up for a player was Ray Allen for Jeff Green at number five. So it's insanely rare to do so. You have to use it to spruce up packages, obviously. Lou Dort is that sprinkler, if you will. But other teams also have sprinklers. All these rebuilding teams still have vets in the war chest that are basically up to the highest bidder depending on interest and what would be on the return side. I think Jeremy Grant, like I said, would be the biggest one in play, but other teams still have assets that they could dangle for draft day players. I think the top four is very good. You'd want to trade up into the top four. It's a hefty fee. I'm okay with packaging tons of picks to get Ivy. I'm okay with packaging tons of picks to get number four, whoever that fourth option would be. Because the talent is there, I think in terms of fit, it would be Chet, Jabari, Paulo, Ivy at the moment. But in terms of skill, it could very well be the exact opposite of that order. All of them are, are super talented and the ceilings are very, very high. I'm, I'm high on all of them. But, you know, we got six more days. I'm sure there's going to be more chatter. Trade packages like this probably won't happen until they're in the war room to be honest but you know that is when you got to make those big time calls Presty he's been on the phone all the time we've seen all the transactions he's made in the last three years about to make it four with this upcoming draft anyways though guys that is going to do it for today's episode I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time see ya